I'm turning on the grill. Beep, boop. That's not the sound the grill makes. Hey there, bun buddies, and welcome to License to Grill, a Bob's Burgers podcast brought to you by Ultimate Tabletop Network. I am your host, Zalzazane, and with me is my partner, Kim, Kim, Kim! This week, we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 5, Hamburger Dinner Theater, enjoying a delicious, totally radish burger, and testing our knowledge with trivia. Let's jump into the episode. Let's do the recap and talk about Bob's Burgers. So, the episode aired on February 20th, 2011. It had an average IMDb rating of 7.5, which is the exact same as our previous episode. It was directed by Wesley Archer. It was written by Lauren Bouchard, Jim Dotrieve, and Dan Feibel. Fun facts of the episode. The voice of the robber is Toby Huss from Glow, Beavis and Butthead, and probably most notably, Con Sufan Nusenfone Sr. from King and the Hill. Con Sufan Nufan. Sinfone Senior Sufen Sufanusinphone. Con Sufanusinphone. Senior. Con Sufanusinphone. Senior. Con Sufanusinphone. So that's pronounced con, right? Barbara and Barbara's friend are voiced by writers Holly Schleisinger and Wendy Molyneux, which I thought was kind of cool that they let some of the writers do some voices. It's also the first introduction of officers Julia and Cliffany. Cliffany is voiced by Sam Sadir, who might sound familiar because he's the same voice actor who plays Hugh go the health inspector from episode one let's get to the synopsis the synopsis is linda is dying to relive her dream of becoming a star on broadway so she decides to host a dinner theater at the restaurant but on opening night a shocking surprise leaves linda with more chilling production than she planned for have you ever been to a dinner theater show no good it's a great conversation starter would you ever want to go to a dinner theater show with you or without you i know you'd go with me because i would make you go there we go then yes there you know there is a dinner theater place not far from here neat so you just signed yourself up bucko oh good i've been once it was a christmas party for one of my previous jobs the food was mediocre and the laughs were medium was that because it was the staff from your work who was putting on the dinner theater? No. So we had a couple of options. We could either go to a golf course and eat a dinner, which sounds old and boring, or we could have gone to this place. It was called the Giggle Dam in Vancouver, and it was like a Christmas musical with food. Again, laughs medium, food, okay. Was the burger of the day better or worse? Spoiler alert. I don't think it was a burger. I think you got like a roast beef dinner or something. Maybe it was turkey. That doesn't negate my question. It was better than the burger of the day. (laughs) Eating a shoe would be better than the burger of the day. You would feel less about the shoe. <laughs> the shoe gives me less emotional resonance. So the opening gags for this episode. The store next door is synthesizers, synthesizers, synthesizers. Van watch. And the extermination van is rats all, folks. And everybody better turn down their volume because I'm about to scream. Just like I promised I would last episode. And I'm going to scream double next week if it's still rats all, folks. Oh my god. <laughs> I hope it changes. Do you think synthesizers, synthesizers, synthesizers is a future dream store of Gene? Yes, but I think his synthesizers are going to be on all different sizes. <laughs> different size synthesizers? Yes. Say that ten times fast. No. 
<laughs> the episode opens up with Bob and Linda in their bedroom. Linda is getting ready for a bachelorette party. Yeah. Yeah. So she's going to a strip club called Pickles. Why do they call it Pickles? Because they serve pickles. They're actually pretty good pickles. You think there is a strip club called Pickles that Linda has gone to? Yes. And they serve good pickles? Yes. I definitely think it's a place. Would Bob know that there's a male strip Oh, I think we both know that Bob might know that there's a male strip club. Yeah. Wink! I do feel like Bob would know if Linda was making up a place because he caught her in the lie pretty quick. That was because she was offering to stick orders in their G-strings. Well, you know, in Canada, we don't have build money. We only have loonies and toonies. If you are tossing them at dancers, you're basically going to bruise them. Yeah, we don't make it rain up here. We make it hail. <laughs> That's good. She's going to plop them right into the G-string. Plippity plop. I like that Bob is able to catch Linda in a lie. I think that's one of those very clear we've been together a long time sort of thing. Part of their endearing love for each other. Ultimately, he's really not mad. He's just mildly annoyed. He knows that he will be mildly annoyed for the rest of the week. <laughs> he's anticipating the mild annoyance that is to come. And she cares enough to keep the mystery by trying to deceive him about going to a strip club. Could you imagine if you were like, yeah, have fun. We'll see you later. And then she shows up back home and she starts singing to him while he's sleeping. I think his scream will be worse than mine. Yeah, probably. Probably. Much, much, much worse. The big problem with Linda going to dinner theater, as Bob catches her pretty quickly, is that Linda likes to sing. I see why you love Linda so much. She's this... basically you. <laughs> A lot of ways. This is where I relate to Linda and I really actually like this episode because she comes off less as the nagging wife. Not that I feel like she was super naggy but she was definitely not a main focus and the first few episodes we were Bob and then the last episode was Tina and now we get Linda. Listen Linda. Linda listen. So she starts singing almost immediately which I love. Well that's pretty much what you do too. Right when you get home it's song and dance all night. Pretty much. I do like to just make up songs. I sing to our dog pretty frequently. And that's what I love about you. Aw, thanks. It is one of my special talents. Singing badly and still being adorable. Cut to Linda at dinner theater. It is the Pirates of Panache, which I think is hilarious. When she joins in the Pirates of Panache part of the song and she's waving her hands around, it's actually like the most famous Linda Belcher gif. Really? Yeah. It's an excited gif. Her mouth's like open. Yeah. It's one of my favorites at least. Isn't it supposed to be the Pirates of Penzance? Yeah. It's probably a copyright thing. We cut to the next morning where Mort joins the family and immediately asks Linda how the show was. So we know Mort is also a fan of music or at least dinner theater, which I think is a nice little fun flavor of Mort. We actually learn a lot about Mort this episode and some of it is not great guys. Let's just, let's just put it out there. Some of it is really questionable, really questionable. Linda laments that if she could have started her life over again, she likely would have gotten into dinner theater. Bob sort of expresses his disappointment in that and tries to encourage her by saying, well, you run a restaurant and you feed the world. We had a guy from Canada come in last week. To which Louise expresses her absolute disgust in Canada. Yeah, that was a little weird. Let's hypothesize. Let's put on our Detective Pikachu hats. Why would Louise Belcher hate Canada? Allergic to maple syrup. <laughs> You're going to say she's allergic to nice, in which case I probably would have agreed with you. Hates free healthcare. Oh. And thinks that it's it's the socialist agenda. Wow, so we're right, right out of the gate. We're going to say Louise is a Republican. I mean, isn't she? She's part of big business in, with family money. <laughs> Nepotism at its finest. <laughs> 
her daddy got her her first job. She's a, she's a small business owner. She's an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, God, this is going to be a weird tilt. This is the hot take, guys. Louise Belcher is a Republican. If you disagree, email us at ultimatetabletopnetwork at gmail.com. She's def definitely a bit of a weeaboo, though, with all of her, like, anime obsession. Uh, an importer of international goods. <laughs> All right, so we're going to have a Louise Republican watch moving forward. Boop, 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 new segment. Mort, the genius funeral attendant next door, points out very quickly to Linda, she already has the dinner part of a dinner theater and really encourages her. I like that Linda stands up for herself and reminds Bob that she's been spending her whole life supporting his dream, which is running and operating the business and so that he can, you know, do something nice for her in return. You know what? I've got some beef with that. I've got beef. Okay. The way Linda presents that is, I have done this thing for you, therefore you have to do this thing for me. Feels very transactional and that hits me in a bad place. Yeah, I can get behind that. Counter to that, Bob also tries to make it as quickly as possible, not wanting it to be a three-week engagement, which is what Linda wanted, and only letting her have three days. And you know what? I, I recognize that there will be zero conflict in the show and it would make it less interesting to watch. But if they had a nice lay-in-bed conversation about it, then I feel like everyone would have come off off a lot better and less transactional about it. I do love the lay in bed conversations. Like in real life, not in the show. I don't think they happen very often in the show unless Linda is singing to him, not tonight. No, not tonight. So they try and work out what the, so they try to work out the theme of the dinner theater. They offer a murder mystery, mass murder mystery, musical, love story, and to set it in the morgue. But there are a few other places that they suggest. Do you remember what they are? I really don't. So there's Montreal, which Jean suggests, to which Louise says, enough about Canada. Louise suggests Nazi Germany. Oh yeah, Tina had the best suggestion of all. How about a sexy ketchup factory? Uh... She then proceeds to squeeze the ketchup bottle under her nose while she enjoys her daydreams. She is an odd little duck and I love her. Linda decides to call it the Dreamatorium instead of the Crematorium, which I think is cute. It sounds like something out of Sandman. By the way, watch it on Netflix. It's fantastic. I agree. I didn't expect to like it. It sounded a little bit too much and it was just enough. It was just enough. Gene, of course, is going to be in charge of sound effects. Gene is amazing on the keyboard. He's very good. Like all of the sudden, super good on the keyboard. Yes. All we've seen him do so far, sound effects, sampling, and pushing the give me a beat button. Yeah, but his intro outro music is very appropriate for a murder mystery dinner theater. Good intro outro music for sure. He is finger blasting that keyboard like nobody's business. <laughs> Not the right way to use finger blast. <laughs> he is fingering those ivories like nobody's business. All right, we're moving on. Mort is going to participate, which I also think is really great that he's willing to. I mean, I know he's a regular at the burger place, but the fact that he's like into it and wants to participate, not only that, but to also provide props, which we'll get into. Yeah, props. Mort is going to be in charge of visual effects. And this is where we start understanding that Mort could potentially be a serial killer. So not Mort only- Mort is a mortarer? Mort is a mortar? I really hope you just leave dead air for like 20 seconds in this. 
Mort is a mortar. Yep. Anyways, moving on. Mort is going to be a body delivery guy. Jean is going to be the flower delivery guy. Tina will be a tree because Tina wants to be a tree. Louise is going to be the butler and the red herring, which is essential for any murder mystery. This is where we find out that Tina has stage fright. If you can believe it. I was shocked, shocked to my core. I was flabbergasted. I'm kidding. And when we mentioned Tina's stage fright, we get a couple of flashbacks, which I thought were really adorable. There's Tina with her first words on the couch. She won't say mom in front of Bob and Linda. We also get a glimpse at a young Bob and Linda, which I think are cute. Bob has like a bit of shaggier hair. We also see her getting her hair cut for the first time where the bangs just get shorter and shorter and shorter. And the last one is probably the funniest where there's a fire in the kitchen. Tina's on the phone to 911 and Bob is in the background just like screaming for help. You know what? I feel like that's a bit of foreshadowing. The folks on the other end of 911 are not super good in this town. Yeah, they're not very helpful, are they? It is nice to get some uh, Tina backstory. Yeah, but she's always been just an awkward little duckling. Linda tries and gets Bob to participate by encouraging him to be the tree surgeon who tries to save the tree. And as he saves the tree, he also gets murdered. Yeah, they do some improv to try and get Bob into it. Oh my god, that improv is painful. He clearly doesn't know the yes and. If they did a spinoff of Big Coat, I'd watch that series. Yeah, I'd probably watch Big Coat the play. Because I feel like a Big Coat play... It'd be the three kids in a trench coat. Like it had to. It would be Jean with his head out. Louise would be like the middle part. Tina would be the bottom. And Louise would also just have her head out in the middle just talking. Sweeping declaration. When I find the time and energy and interest, I am going to put together a serialized drama of Big Coat for <laughs> this network. Okay. Please remember that because he's going to forget. There's a moment in the kitchen and Louise isn't as fun this episode. And it's kind of interesting to me because while Louise is, you know, bordering on bully most of the time, in this episode, she's just like a straight up bully. Right before the show starts, she's getting ready and Tina's in her tree costume, which is awesome. She basically bullies her sister. Yep, I'm 90% sure this is a movie reference. Do you think so? Yes. What movie? I don't know. Okay, so that's the 10% that you don't know? Yep, the 10% I don't know is what movie it is. Well, if it's a movie, then I'm less offended by it, but I, I feel like this is one of those instances where Louise goes like a little bit too far and we see it again later. She does like the tell me I'm gonna be good and then when Tina says it she gets upset if anybody knows the reference that Louise is making to Tina please email us at ultimatetabletopnetwork at gmail.com moving on we get to the show please enter and be tame probably my favorite line of the whole episode is that gonna be the line of the episode yes all right Teddy is there yay for Teddy and Teddy and Bob have a conversation Teddy doesn't understand why people are paying to see the show when he could just watch it through his peripheral and they have a conversation about the honor system and have a conversation about teddy being unable to keep his conversation to himself yeah he also talks about mov the movie theater and somehow some guy answered his cell phone once which is great i love those stories because i've actually gotten people thrown out of movie theaters for being on their phones i don't pay 20 dollars for a ticket to see somebody scream you want a tiktok do it outside <laughs> or the bathroom or the bathroom the play starts everything dies but love they definitely didn't spend a lot of time working on this the script is rough, but those visuals, now that was worth the ticket. <laughs> so we get introduced to Gladys the Lonely 
morgue owner, played by Linda. Mort comes in with a fresh body delivery and promptly gets murdered. And when the light gets turned on, he is covered in organs and has a pump to squirt blood everywhere, which squirts all over the audience and all over, well, basically everything. It is revolting. It looks like he has been cut open. He looks like roadkill. It's a good thing he brought his own fake blood from home. Or is it? Well, yes. See, this is, again, where we touch base on Mort potentially being a secret serial killer. So he first mentions the fake blood, or is it? Now he's covered in organs, which the police who show up ask if are fake, and he's like, yeah, fake. So... Also, in the first episode, he mentioned that he was run out of another town for selling human meat to a burger. That's true! Yeah, this is Serial Killer Watch 2011. Also, if you haven't seen Serial Killer 101, definitely worth a watch. What's Serial Killer 101? He learns how to become a serial killer. It's a horror movie, but a comedy. Okay, the police show up. This is where we meet Julia and Cliffany. One of the police officers says there's no harm done, except for the people who are experiencing shock. (laughs) Yikes. Which I really appreciated. It is good to mention stuff like that. People go into shock when they experience some trauma. Cut to the next day where there's a cleanup. There's also a sign outside that Dreamatorium is now with 20% less gore, which I thought was funny. Bob is surprised that Linda wants to continue doing the show. Linda expresses that she just needs to tweak it a little bit. Tweak the gore down just a smidge. Just make a little, just make a couple little edits. Tina requests a line so that she can overcome her stage fright. And this is where Linda says a very, very cute line, which I really appreciate from a daughter perspective is oh bob our tree is growing up and sprouting words i'm proud of her facing her fears it is nice to see that tina is willing to push herself outside of her comfort zone even if the line doesn't come very easily as we'll find out the line of course is no no two words that are the hardest to say what two words but so hard to say no what about the other one don't The show must go on and we see Gene slide across the fake blood in the background where he says luck is 90% preparation and we don't hear the rest of that. What is the other 10%? I don't know and I don't want to Google it. I want it to remain a mystery for life. It is my lifetime mystery. I will be found on top of a mountain meditating on this. You know, I kind of hated Bob in this part. He's actively trying to stop Linda from doing the one thing that she wants to do. Yeah. Which would make her happy. It is very frustrating. Well, and I mean, and really, it's not that much effort and when it really comes down to it there's the hope that it would bring in more customers so he has to make the burgers anyways so what are you really complaining about you're what what you're really doing is just giving your spouse an opportunity to live out a dream as silly as it is as unproductive as it may be honestly like when you watch the episode the restaurant has never looked busier since they pretended that the burgers were human remains i was not a huge fan of bob but i mean we get this the the lesson learned at the end of the episode, right? It just seems like he's annoyed by change, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, maybe there's discomfort in change, yeah. Gene also comments that the fake blood tastes nothing like real blood. Well, I guess that solves that mystery. Does it? I mean, I... Who spends the time to deflavor blood? That's true, and I 100% uh, believe that Gene has drank blood before. Not just like the like licky licky from a wound, as every kid has done at some point, right? Everyone's yeah. tasted their own blood? Probably. Okay, good. Cool. Everyone stay with me here. But like, probably has 
has licked someone else's blood. Gene's a weirdo. He probably saw Jennifer Lopez's blood necklace and decided he wanted to do the same thing. It's not Jennifer Lopez. It's Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton. They're whatever, the same person. They are not. Jennifer Lopez is a dancer, singer, and actor. Angelina Jolie is just an actor. She's not a dancer and singer? Uh, I guess she's also a director. I think she's directed something. Oh, okay. So suck it. Like blood. The dinner theater goes off without a hitch this time. We actually get to see further into the story. We get Mort dying. We get Jean dying. We get the tree dying. And get right to the end where <laughs> Linda re- reveals who the murderer is. Of course, at the beginning of the show, she says that the murderer is not her. And the murderer, of course, is her. What a twist. A lie is not a twist. That's one of the uh, attendees exclaims. Just like the iced tea. That's twisted. Is a lie a twist? In the case of dinner theater, probably? I'm, we've seen most of the play unless there's parts of it that we haven't seen. I really hope that there are parts that we haven't seen because otherwise this play is like five minutes long and there's really no singing aside from Linda occasionally singing her lines. But if there isn't, there's really no evidence to suggest anybody is the murderer except for Louise holding the knife. Red herring? Anyways, again, we're coming back to this idea that Linda didn't put a lot of effort into the actual writing of it, just wanting to do it. There's a robbery right near the end of the show. A man in a mask. I was trying to think like breaks into the building but he doesn't. Strolls casually in. Yeah uh, the man in a mask strolls casually in with a gun and announces that it's a robbery and everyone's very excited because they think it's part of the show. Especially Louise. Yeah Louise tries to get Tina to help her take him down. In fact she uses the same tactic that her and Jean use at the discount Mother Goose's petting zoo. You know what if it was Gene, who was the tree, they would have taken that guy down. That's true. They Gene probably would have been all into it. No questions asked. It's true. They probably would have stopped the robber actually and saved his dad almost two hundred and twenty-seven dollars. A little less. Mm-hmm. Robert gets right up in Bob's face and calls him a greaseball. Bob's retort is calling him mask face, which people laugh because I, I mean I did too, but they obviously think it's again they think it's part of the show and are laughing at the line. Doesn't matter what Bob says, nobody believes him. The guy takes the money and him and Linda start singing and they have some really good chemistry let's not joke around it's good the singing is pretty good and he escapes with the money we cut to the next day where linda is making the police report with cliffany and julia and while they're doing it the robber actually comes in are you talking about the show last night i caught the stand of it which i thought was a good joke linda describes the robber as being leading man handsome to which bob interjects and says he was wearing a ski mask linda retorts that he has the presence of a young burt reynolds which just means he has a great mustache. Burt Reynolds had some hardcore mustache power back in the day. Very charismatic mustache. The most charismatic. Type type that would just jump off your face. And then he responded that he had the pipes of an old Debbie Reynolds. It's true. Mort comes in and is reading the review of the show in which no one mentions the food. In fact, Who's Your Daddy? 1997. Yikes mentions the chemistry of the Robert, which leads to the robber revealing himself in the restaurant. After the police leave. After the police leave. And so he robs them again. What a tricky little trickster. After lying about having a gun, too. Yeah, he he both said the gun was fake and that the gun was in his other jacket, which was in the car. He wasn't even wearing 
a jacket, folks. No jacket, just a blue t-shirt. And then pulls the gun, whips it out of nowhere, and holds Bob hostage again, asking for more money. There couldn't have been that much in the register. Although it looked like there was quite a bit. Well, that's probably the float, right? Yeah. Or ones. You know, it's something that people don't often think about, but when you call 911, they're required to show up and investigate your call unless you specifically say that it was an accidental dial. If you just hit 911 and throw the phone on the ground, the police will show up. They don't need your address. It just helps them. It's true. They I... have enough GPS to go around. They will zip to wherever the blank phone call is. So, helpful hint for anybody ever in trouble. 911 on your cell phone, chuck it on the ground, good to go. You are good to go. Good tip. It's true. 100% true. So the robber takes off. As he's taking off, the police return and they feel so terrible that they have made Bob and Linda a sorry you got robbed butt cake. Which I actually think is kind of sweet. It is nice and I would totally eat a cake. Yeah, me too. Although it's a little doofy that that's how police make up for crimes not solved. I think there'd be a lot more fat people in Vancouver from eating lots and lots of cake. Because the police out here suck. I, I assume that's a small town thing where everybody knows everybody. Where there's maybe one or two cops in a town and they just bring somebody a cake. Hey, I know you're feeling bad and I know it's not my job to make you feel better. But here's some mental assistance in the form of bunt cake. This is oops all robberies cake. <laughs> <laughs> you're right about the small town police because we do get to see julia and cliffany again by the way i also really love the name cliffany it's just good it's just a good name so the robber takes off the police come in with the cake bob tries to tell them that the robber just left the police get the call on their radio that their robber has fled the store and bob keeps interrupting them and this is so frustrating because if bob just shut his stupid gob they would have been out there so much faster but no 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 bob had to argue with the police i mean you could also argue that if the Police listened to Bob immediately, they would have caught him faster too. That's fair. The radio started coming in after he was trying to tell them what happened. Yep, that's actually a fair point. So they both suck. Question for you though. Uh oh. Do you think Bob and Linda have business level robbery insurance? Because <laughs> 200 bucks, if they can prove it with the receipts, they just get that back from their insurance. Like, barely a claim. Yeah, but they probably wouldn't get it back right away. That's it's true. like insurance for your house. Like, if we had a flood, we have to pay a deductible, and if it doesn't cover the deductible, if we had a flood and it was only $400 worth of damage, we have a $500 deductible. So, we, it wouldn't even get covered, right? And if it's a $600 repair, okay, cool, we have to pay $100, but you know what else happens? Our insurance goes up. Also, Bob and Linda make it pretty clear that they're struggling. That's kind of the ongoing thing in the in the series. So do they have insurance? Do they? Probably not. As for the flood thing, us being on the fourth floor, that will be a heck of a flood. We're on the second floor. They don't know that. Yeah, but why would you lie? It's not a twist. What a twist. So the robber gets caught. Linda blames Bob. Linda says that Bob committed a murder and that he blew my dreams head off. That's a bit dramatic there, Linda. Because I used to be an actor. Ah, it's very good. Linda is very dramatic and it's one of the reasons that I love her. We cut to Wagstaff, the school of schools, and the kids are discussing the robbery. They sure are. Louise opens it up to Q&A. They obviously really like the attention. Large Tommy asks Tina if she was scared and Tina just makes her, uh... Tina in total fear is paralyzed and unable to speak. She's experiencing stage fright. So Louise answers on her behalf and says no, she wasn't. Normal size Jenny asks how big the gun was and it was anyone shot. Louise replies that she doesn't answer two-part questions, which I think is hilarious. If anybody ever asked me a two-part question, I'm going to say I don't answer two-part questions from now on. Yeah, it's a pretty It's pretty good. It's a pretty, stick that in your holster, your joke holster. Shooting jokes. <laughs> pew, pew. Shoot jokes all over people. 
And uh, lastly, Tiny Peter asks if they're in a gang now. Tiny Peter. <laughs> I like I like that I like that uh, Louise references the kids and their size because there is regular size Rudy and little Rudy later on in the series. So it is sort of an ongoing joke. Tiny Peter. Oh, like a penis. Yes. Is large so- Tommy a penis joke too? I don't think so. All right. But I think they're setting up a discreet dick joke. Discreet dick street. <laughs> discreet on dick street. Yep. <laughs> Tiny Peter asks, are you in a gang now? Louise, of course, answers enthusiastically, yes. And that their gang is called the Broken Glass Kids. We'll cut you. I don't know why Broken Glass, but I'm not really in a place to question it. It feels like a word salad kind of thing. You don't like salads. But salads made of words is basically my entire conversation style. You don't make friends with salad. You don't make friends with salad. You don't win 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 friends with salad. Mom! I didn't mean to take sides. I just got caught up in the rhythm. But you make them laugh with word salad. Oh, yeah, okay, but you make... Okay, so real salad, no good. Word salad, jokes. Jokes ahoy. Real salad, nay nay. Word salad, yay yay. (laughs) on a t-shirt okay is that so gonna be our first merch maybe so final performance the show has been getting rave reviews three whole people have been blogging about it which honestly is kind of impressive better than nobody right before the show starts tina and jean have this insane conversation where tina is talking about her stage fright and jean is trying to help her out and gives her the age-old advice of imagine everybody naked to which tina replies she always does it's a little bit awkward because there is some very purposeful camera panning and where her eyes are looking during this scene i mean gene moves his synthesizer or his keyboard in front of his junk which i thought was a cute sight gag always come to dick street everyone is discreet you'll wear a big coat though no one can carry a note on dick street we're discreet that's gonna be the next t-shirt gene's counter advice then is to imagine people dressed tina says fully dressed gene goes no just in a condom and a hat gene is very sexually aware yeah last episode talking about orgies and also sampling his grandparents having sex yeah i think he's pretty comfortable with sex it makes sense that tina would talk to him we get the final performance of dream dorium and it goes off without a hitch but no applause no enthusiasm either linda's obviously very depressed because the robber has been apprehended and brutalized those cops <laughs> kicked the pants off him it's true really gave him a run for his money really gave him the old jolly Got really into his bunt cake, (laughs) as it were. The steam is out of Linda's boat. The wind is out of Linda's sail. Willie is out of the steamboat. (laughs) There is no steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie has been murdered (laughs) at the Dreamatorium. She used to be a steamboat Willie, but her dreams got their heads blown off. Is that another joke at Dick Street, Willie? Probably. So Linda doesn't have her heart in it. The performance is arguably worse than the first one. Tina doesn't say her line. Louise says it for her. But Tina does say it about 10 minutes later. And once it finally ends, some of the viewers encourage people to stay, saying, oh, wait, wait, wait for the robbery. And of course, nothing happens until Bob Belcher, husband to Linda Belcher, realizes his mistake. And this is where you get the 80s and 90s sitcom, I Just Learned My Lesson Music, playing in 
the background. And Bob decides to rob the restaurant. Yeah. Bob takes his shot, but he is not very good at this. Well, we know that. We know his his, his improv was not good. But the point is, is that he makes an effort to try and make Linda happy. Finally. Nobody is impressed. People start leaving, but Bob does try to sing with her. My guess is that it's very similar to them kissing, in which the moisture ratio is very high. Big Coat strikes again. Unfortunately, when they finish their improvised song and dance, the crowd has already left. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. It ends with one of Jean's melodies in the background, sort of a musical number while people are working in the kitchen. That's it. That's our recap for season one, episode five. Hamburger dinner theater. You came, you ate a burger, you witnessed a murder. You also saw a tree get stabbed more than once. Robot voice. <laughs> Uh-oh, you know what that sound means. It's trivia time. Trivia! You know how this works. I'm going to give you three questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. Let's see if I can't stump you with any of them. Okay. Easy question is one point. Difficult question is two points. And the super hard question is three points. Question number one. What was the name of the performance that Linda went to see at the start of the episode? The Pirates of Panache! Yep, you got it. That is one point. Which is a play off the Pirates of Penzance, which is an actual musical. Bonus point that you won't give me, but I know everything. We're going to edit this out to make you sound <laughs> you heard it here folks he's gonna edit this so that i sound bad you probably won't hear that either for the second question there are three possible answers i need two of them how was the robber described oh there are three leading man handsome the presence of a young bird reynolds the pipes of an uh the pipes of a it's not old i mean i only needed two but the pipes of a it's not old aging the pipes of an aging debbie reynolds so close it was an old debbie reynolds I did technically say it, but then I argued with myself. I still got it, because I got two. And question number three. What characters were murdered during Linda's performance of Dreamatorium? You're going to hate me, because I know the characters, I know who plays them, and I know the sequence that they die. One is Mort, who plays the dead body delivery guy. He dies numero uno. Then there's two, who's played by Gene, who is the flower delivery boy. He is victim number and then it's Tina, who plays the tree, who dies number three. Then she introduces Louise, who plays the butler, who is the red herring and doesn't die. And the fourth person is the tree surgeon, played by Bob, who would be victim number four. Wow. Tree surgeon Bob did not show up in the episode. That doesn't count. <laughs> I still got them. You got your answers, but throwing in that extra one? Ooh, I should dock you a point. I mean, Bob eventually plays a robber. So, I also mentioned... Are you going to take two points away from me? Because I also mentioned who Louise plays. Maybe. So just so, just so you guys know, Linda also plays Gladys, the lonely mortuary owner. I just want to prove how good I am at trivia. So Look, man, I, was... I had a bonus point oh. if you were going to be nice, but now you're being sassy. <laughs> Do you know what the question was going to be yeah bonus point what was bob supposed to play and what did he actually play oh 
Beats no bonus point. I already you. got it. You still got six points. So that's he good. also created the big coat play in his improv with Linda. So, just so you guys can stay up to date, please check the description in the podcast notes. That'll tell you what the current score is prior to this answer, and these points will be added in on the next episode. The the thing just to remember is that I'm winning. If you have any suggestions for what the loser should have to do or the winner should punish the loser with, please email us at ultimatetabletopnetwork at gmail.com. I'm gonna make you rub my feet with lots of lotion. Oh, that is the worst. I hate <laughs> when my hands are slippery. I know. So let's move on to the burger of the day. Today's burger was the Totally Radish Burger. It comes with radish and is a play on the phrase totally rad. Which the burger was not. There was also two other burgers of the day in the episode. One was called Onion Burger Griddle to Death which is a reference to the murder mystery in Linda's Dinner Theater. And Last of the Mo Yikama Burger comes with Yikama, which is a pun on the Last of the Mohicans movie. I really wish it would have been the other two. But we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the Totally Unradish Burger. The Totally Radish Burger. So I'll make the burger the same way I make every other patty. Ground beef, breadcrumbs, and egg. Mix it all together with garlic powder, as Linda and Bob said a whole bunch in this episode. The topping for this one was shredded radish and peeled and shredded cucumber. Mix that in with creme fraiche, but because I couldn't find any of that, I used sour cream instead, which is basically the same thing. And then top it off with a little bit of lettuce and then a regular butter. So let's start off with our usual scale. We have four categories, five points apiece, totaling up to a potential of 20 points. First category, umami or savoriness. Was it very savory for you? No. Wow. Hard no. No, it wasn't because it didn't, ha- it was like radish and cucumber, which are like the least savory of things. Give bu- a number for me. Is zero too mean? I, I would say yes. All right, I'll give it a one. At least the patty was good. Fine, I'll give it a two because the patty was good. You know what? That's kind of where I was landing to. Even a bad burger, as long as the patty is good and it isn't offensively bad, and it probably doesn't deserve a one for savoriness, right? Fine. How was the mouth feel? Awful. Awful. Can I say zero? I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'll say patty and bun were fine. Although actually the bun wasn't that great because the bun soaked up all the juices. So the bun was really mushy. I'm giving it a one. And, and it's only a one because of the burger patty because that always tastes good. Yeah, I was gonna give it a two on my end because I like softer burgers anyway, so it was fine. How about emotional resonance? Like positive or negative emotion? <laughs> It just says emotional resonance. Did it make you feel anything? Yeah, rage. Wow. <laughs> so, big score here. I mean, we were also watching the first episode of She-Hulk, so maybe that played into it a little bit. A regular amount of rage? A regular amount of rage. I guess art makes you feel something, whether it's a positive or negative feeling. So this is where it's going to get a five, because it was a general, very unhappiness on my part. It was so much that, well, so we usually make two burgers each. I went and, like, scraped it off and made a regular hamburger for myself for the second one. That's how unhappy it made my brain. See, this one I would give it a one because I felt nothing eating this burger. It doesn't taste like anything. This burger made you, made you feel dead inside? <laughs> at least that would be a feeling. <laughs> you're going to go, you're going to be a regular body delivery at the Dreamatorium. And re-eatability. Our zero. It's a zero. Wow. I'm going to have to give it a one because at least the patty was okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to eat the same patty every week anyways, so yeah. unless you put bacon in it. All right. So the, the final score that we have here is six for me nine for you totaling up to a total of 15 15 out of 40 not even a pass it's pretty bad big old f there hamburger the only thing that saved it was your emotional
emotional resonance of pure bile and hatred. <laughs> just disgust. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of disappointing because while I'm not like a huge fan of onion, I feel like a grilled to death burger could have been interesting. And also I've had yikama and yikama is actually kind of tasty. What is yikama? Yikama is a vegetable. Can you compare it to anything? Carrot, I think. I have to, you know what? I have to Google this now because I want to make sure I'm not making a dumb dumb of myself. It's a Mexican turnip. It has the same consistency of like if you chop up carrots, you peel and chop up carrots for say like a vegetable platter, you could do the same with yakima. A crudite. A crudite. And it's pretty tasty. Like not quite as um, dirt tasting as a turnip. Turnips taste like dirt. I'm talking about raw turnip. But yeah, I, I've, I've found them tasty. Apparently there is a species in the Pachyrhizus erosus, which is the pea family. Yeah, I guess it kind of has a pea, like almost like a snap pea or a green beany type of flavor, but it's crunchy. Crunchy pea. Crunchy pea. That, I don't like that sentence. Uh, I, I, that could have been tasty, like some grilled yakima. Where would I even get that? Grocery store? I have never seen anything like that at the store. Yeah, I've eaten yakima before. So maybe we'll have to do some supplementary burger items. Maybe between seasons we'll do some short episodes of just the burger of the day. Catch up on all the ones that aren't in the book. What I wish I would have eaten. And that's the burger of the day. We get all of our recipes from the Bob's Burgers Burger Book. If you want to try out some of these recipes, check out the podcast notes, use our link. Thank you for listening to License to Grill, an Ultimate Tabletop Network production. Hope you had a good time with us, and we'll be back next week for the next episode. Six. Sheesh. Cab? Bob? Cab Bob. Cab Bob? Sheesh. Cab Bob. Bob? Sheesh. Sheesh, cab. Bob? Good night, everybody. Seriously. Sheesh. Sheesh, cab. Bob? Good evening, ladies. Please enter and be tamed.